0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Florida Podcast. This is your host, Brandon Holland. It is Wednesday, July 15th, 2020. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day. Hopefully y'all are having a great day today. This is going to be my bonus podcast for the day, and we are gonna talk about the Washington Redskins changing their name. Now, the reason I wanna talk about this is two reasons, actually. One, because I have said several times that I feel as though the SJW culture, woke culture, it's all garbage. And two, grew up in Maryland, worked in D.C. for several years, and I grew up in Redskin country. I mean, Redskin fans are some of the most diehard fans that you will ever see. So I wanted to talk about this name change of the Redskins. And one of the things I was born in 1981, and I remember before leaving DC in 2012 that we were at that point when we were talking to the younger fans. There's a whole generation of fans that really have no idea how ridiculously amazing the Redskins franchise was back in the day and the history behind the Redskins franchise and also the history behind the logo. So Let's go ahead and get into a little bit of that history. You know, the Redskins actually started in Boston in 1932. They were the Boston Braves, played at Fenway Park in 33, also changed the name to the Boston Red Sox that year, and they moved to DC in 1937. Started off at old Griffith Field, or Griffith Stadium in DC, and then they moved to what was first called DC Stadium in 1961. And that became RFK Stadium in 1969. Obviously, you had the murder of JFK, John F. Kennedy, in 1963. And his brother, Robert F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, was murdered in 1968. So a couple things about the Redskins franchise as well is they were the last team to integrate. And that was because the original owner, George Preston Marshall, I mean, I'm just going to step out there if you don't want to you know, sign players because their skin's brown. It's kind of the definition of a racist, right? So what a lot of people don't understand is that DC Stadium, when it was built, that was actually owned by the federal government. It wasn't owned by a private ownership group like Griffith Stadium being owned by the Griffith family. DC Stadium when they first moved in, or when did I say it was built, it was property of the federal government. So that brought a whole different aspect to inter- integration because of federal laws. And that was the first part of John F. Kennedy's administration. He'd have been in office for two months, and the Secretary of Interior Stuart Udall, he was the one that was pushing uh, George Press and Marshall to obviously integrate the team. And that was the first time that the federal government really stepped in and, you know, threatened an organized professional sports team in terms of integrating. I know that um, with the Dodgers, I believe that there were some political debates with Branch Rickey before he signed Jackie Robinson, but, you know, be that as it may. Don't have that information in front of me, so we're just going to stick with the Redskins. But, you know, in 1962, they became the last team to integrate. So they were the last team to do that. And you get into the 70s, and a lot of the people that I grew up with that were older than me remember the 70s with the the over-the-hill gang. You know, George Allen coming in in 71, getting to the Super Bowl, losing to the Dolphins, who obviously 72 Dolphins finished undefeated. Who knows? You know ball doesn't hit the goal post Jerry Smith is wide open in the back of the end zone but that's neither here nor there but I guess if you're a Dolphins fan you could say that Paul Warfield's touchdown got called back which could have been 21 14 blah blah whatever point is they got to Super Bowl and throughout the 70s playoff burst 73 74 76 I mean they go 9 and 5 and 77 and miss the playoffs but they were building a powerhouse of a franchise that was competitive on the field every year. Get to 79, have that game over in Texas Stadium. Obviously, tough loss for the Redskins. Playoffs on the line. Roger Staubach hits Tony Hill and season's over. So, that rivalry with Dallas is something that I grew up with watching. That's crazy. Now, let me take a step back. I'm not I'm a Raider fan not even a true Redskin fan but again just being engulfed in Redskin culture Redskin fandom just such passion from the fan base so in 79 that is when Jack Kent Cooke became the majority owner of the team moved from LA out to Virginia and the year before that he had hired Bobby Bether to be the GM and 1981 they they get Joe Gibbs and then it happened. And the eighties were just unbelievable. Competition in the NFC East was ridiculous. Competition in the NFC period was ridiculous. Raiders were the only team that seemed to have an answer for the Redskins in a Super Bowl. Redskins get to Super Bowl seventeen with Joey T at the quarterback position. And I mean, who doesn't? Super Bowl seventeen, come on. Goal line, goal line. I left tight. Wing 70 chip. That's John Riggins, the diesel baby. Breaking that one off. Redskins going to get their first championship. Joey T is MVP the next year. They get back to the Super Bowl. My Raiders getting that ass like a bike with no seat. But that's neither here nor there. So... The level of just, again, level of competition in the 80s was just ridiculous. And the seasons that the Redskins had in the 80s were ridiculous too. Set the record for the most amounts points scored in a season in 83. Joey T, MVP. I mean, just crazy stuff. But 84 was a situation where they went 11 and 5, lost to the Bears. Bears lost to the 49ers. 49ers won the Super Bowl. 85, of course, we all know about the 85 Bears. 86, 12-4, wild-card game, wild-card game. They, were, they had to play a wild-card game with a 12-4 record, get to the NFC Championship, lose to the Giants, Giants win the Super Bowl. At the strike year of 87, Redskins were the only franchise that didn't have any players cross the picket line. They get to Super Bowl 22 with Doug Williams, first black quarterback, start a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl after coming in for Jay Schrader. And Ed Rupert, they win a Super Bowl, miss the playoffs in 88, miss the playoffs in 89, 90. They get back to the playoffs, lose to the 49ers. 49ers end up losing to the Giants. The Giants won the Super Bowl. It just shows the level of competition in the NFC, period. And the NFC East was just ridiculous. And 91, they get back to the Super Bowl with Mark Rippin. I mean, that team was just ridiculous. One of the things that I always... Uh, harp on is I watched the Four Falls documentary on the Buffalo Bills, and Steve Tasker had an awesome quote where he said, usually when he comes off the field and they've lost, he said, if we had done this and this, we would have won. said he came off the field after playing the Redskins in the Super Bowl and said, if we had done this, 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 and this, it would have been close. He said they were the best team he'd ever saw. And He was on the team that lost, he was on the Bills team that lost twice to Jimmy Johnson's Cowboys. So that just tells you how amazing the 91 team was. So, 93, Joe Gibbs retired because Joe Gibbs is just going to go and be awesome at everything in life. He goes to NASCAR, has a lot of success there. And he eventually did come back for a run with the Redskins for a second time. 96, construction began on the stadium that is now known as FedEx Field. Unfortunately, Jack Kent Cooke would pass away before the stadium was finished in 97. So he left the team to the Cooke Foundation with instructions to sell it. His son, John Kent Cooke, was the head of the Cooke Estate Foundation, and he wanted to keep the team, but unfortunately, because of the way the will was set up. He had to basically sell the team that his family owed back to himself, couldn't raise the money, and that is when Daniel Snyder stepped in on May 25th and purchased the team. And, you know, Snyder, Maryland guy, made his money in marketing. Very important to remember that, made his money in marketing. But the first thing that he did, this is why it's so important to have the backstory, one of the first things that he did was change the name from Jack Kent Cook Stadium to FedEx Field because he struck a marketing or a licensing deal with um, with Frederick Smith, who was the founder of FedEx. He struck that deal, and a lot of people don't realize that FedEx actually owns 65% of the team. So in reality, one could make the argument that FedEx owns the Redskins, not Daniel Snyder. And, I mean, the Daniel Snyder era in D.C., where do, where do you even start with that? It's tough. I mean, uh, I, I'm not even going to name all the quarterbacks, but coaches North Turner, Terry Biskey, Marty Schottenheimer, Spurrier, Joe Gibbs, Jim Zorn, Mike Shanahan, Jay Gruden, now the Ron Rivera era has begun. I mean, sued ticket holders in 2008, 2009 at the financial crisis, banned signs in 2009, added seats, ticket prices rose and rose and rose game day experience is terrible most of you that are listening to this have been to FedEx Field for those that of you that haven't it is a nightmare if you go to a game you can expect to sit in the parking lot for 3 hours afterwards to try to get out charging fans a tailgate sued the city paper in 2011 in DC just a, a small local newspaper in DC sued them so it's been been a rough, rough road for Daniel Snyder as the owner of the Redskins. But let's get to the logo of the Redskins because that's very important. The logo that you see now was actually designed in 1971 in close consultation with uh, Native American leaders. One of the main people that was one of the catalysts to get that logo done was Walter, his name was Walter Blackie Wetzel. And he's a former president of the National Congress of American Indians, and chairman of the Blackfeet Nation, you know, so they worked hand in hand with Native Americans to design that logo. And it was praised. And he, Mr. Wetzel, he had been deeply involved in Uh, President John F. Kennedy and the movement for civil liberties, civil rights, and economic freedom for all. So, you know, that was a big, big thing to get done, have a Native American a part of designing the logo that you see now, which will be going away with the name change. And my personal feelings on this goes back to what I say a lot about woke culture and this SJW stuff is that you have wins quote-unquote that are realistically rooted in nothing under the guise of social justice changing the name of the washington redskins is going to do what at the very end of the day to make people's lives better that are actually living in abject poverty people's skin that's brown that's what this is quote-unquote all about What you want us to believe this is all about, but it's not. This is about money. Obviously, you have FedEx putting pressure on Daniel Snyder, their ownership stake basically. And Snyder, what are you gonna do? You have people that you have to answer to that have invested a lot of money in your organization. Another thing, Nike pulled the Redskins gear off of the shelves, quote unquote. And I mean, are you kidding me? Nike of all people, the the hypocrisy of Nike pulling someone's Gear off of the racks when Nike is basically a (laughs) come on, seriously, Nike. China, China, do you are, are you aware what China is doing right now in Hong Kong? China has basically invaded Hong Kong and taken basic human rights away from the people of Hong Kong. No more freedom of speech, no more freedom of worship. You see, that's what communism is. So it's just ironic that you have a lot of people, a lot of athletes in this country who can say what they want to say about this administration. And what you think is what you think. I don't care. Say whatever you want to, but will not stand up against China. How ironic is that? Another ironic thing is that the people in Hong Kong are protesting by flying American flags. Flying American flags. Again, go ahead and give that one a thought. So again it goes back to empty victories and again what gets lost is the Washington Redskins it's more than a name regardless of what you feel about whether or not that name should have been changed the Redskins it's it it is family if you have you know been around Redskins fans some of the most loyal fans in all the sports that's the sad thing about Daniel Snyder and him owning this team is just the marketing and the money has always come before the fan base and it stings and again as the name is going to get changed if you really want to think about it Washington Redskins is the, the perfect example of what this country used to be, how they started racist person, had ownership it's a sign of people that wanted to make change, like the way that JFK did put pressure on them to integrate Robert F. Kennedy, who I believe was his sincere when he was going to be running for president about helping poor people and have the stadium renamed RFK in 1969 i mean that's it's it's an example of what can happen and how people can come together and get stuff done and how you can honor the people that have come before you and the sacrifices that they have made and again to have a situation to sit down in 1971 with people from the native american community who were intricate part of drawing the actual logo for the Redskins that we've seen on the side of the helmet winning championships. You know, what woke culture doesn't understand is that when you're in a situation, like being in RFK Stadium in 72, an NFC championship game, before going to the Super Bowl to play the Dolphins, if you're at RFK for that championship game against the Cowboys, Charlie Taylor, two touchdowns. I mean, go and just pull up Kurt Knight, field gold, him in slow motion. It, it's, it's just amazing. Watch the crowd in the background. You know, nobody's thinking about race. person that's next to them, nobody cares. You're just kicking the Cowboys' ass. I, that's what it's all about. That's what being in that stadium did. You know, in, we talk about the year that they went to the Super Bowl to beat the Dolphins, 82, If you were at the divisional game against the Vikings, that stadium got rocking with, we want Dallas. Were you thinking about what the person next to you looked like? No. Thinking about race. Thinking about Dallas is going to come in here and kick their ass and go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. You know, see, that's what it is. That's what the name has behind it. It's about what can actually happen, what people can become. Nothing is impossible as long as everyone remains open minded and is willing to sit down and talk and not worry about hollow victories that make them feel good on the inside because their feelings is what they base their ideology on. Real change takes real work, and that's the point. And I rip people in the SJW community and the woke community because you want victories to make you feel good. But what's really going to change? And it shows me that you really don't want to make change. You just want the idea and the feeling of making change because you're not willing to make the sacrifice and put in the actual work to make change. Burning down buildings, that's not going to make change. Destroying property is not going to make change. So question all the motives and all that stuff anyway. So... I just, again, I wanted to just talk about this because it's something that it's, you know, dear to my heart because I have a lot of friends that are still up in the DMV, that is DC, Maryland, and Virginia. If you're watching this down here in Florida, that's what we call that area, that are diehard Redskins fans and will be for the rest of their lives and can change the name of the team for business reasons. But the history is an example of what can happen. We really understand each other and talk, again, go from a racist owner to changing the name to someone who died, shot, killed, who was a part of the civil rights movement. you have the first black quarterback in history to go to Super Bowl and win it. So with all those things, you're just not going to sit here and tell me that this country is as divided and as racist as it was 60 years ago. I'm going to just call BS on that. So... I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. So hopefully this content is some good stuff for you. I'll be back tomorrow with my normal schedule, maybe drop some bonus content as well. So until next time, this is the Florida Podcast signing off.